It's unnecessary roughness. Shotgun snap to Stidham. Lobs near corner for Adams. Makes the grab in the corner. Touchdown Raiders! An absolutely perfect pass. And Adams dragged his feet in the back left corner for the Raiders lead with 10 seconds to go before halftime. All I can say, Jason, is wow. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number three of the show, live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Ari behind the wheels of steel. Rocking with you till 5 o'clock. You want to tune into some Aces basketball? That'll be on our sister station a little bit later on this evening. Ari, tip-off is at 7 o'clock for the Aces, correct? Yes. Okay, and that, again, is on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. The Aces are a fantastic watch, so if you get an opportunity to go out to Michelob Ultra and check them out, do that. I believe Little Q is going to be in attendance tonight. His dad will not. <laughs> his dad will be here at the radio station doing another show as he's uh, out doing his thing, but I'm glad that he's in town and gets the opportunity to go check out some good hoops action. So, uh, yeah, make sure you uh, tune in for the Aces because they are, like I said, a really – Really good squad who expectations are sky high for them. And, well, so far throughout the course of the season, as they only have two losses, they're living up to the expectations. So I uh, want to get into some Raider conversation. We threw out the the question out there as, as I received this text message from our guy, Southern Indiana Raider. He said, hey, Q, Southern Indiana Raider here. I wanted to ask a question. It's this. What are the signs that you see to have confidence to say the offense is going to be good? I hope that doesn't sound snarky. It's a serious question. I want to look at this and have some confidence as well. We have a quarterback that hasn't stepped on a field in close to a year, hasn't played a complete season for multiple years prior. He also hasn't been above average ever. We have a running back that's locked into a salary battle. He's coming off a career year, and I don't anticipate him duplicating it. Maybe the upgrades of wide receiver and the addition of a reliable tight end. Like I said, no disrespect, but tell me what inspires you to have confidence in this off- offense. Thanks, man. Have a great day. Again, Southern Indiana Raider with that text. And, again, my, my big point is I just believe, and in, in we have to throw Jimmy G and his health in there, but – I just think that with all the weapons around him, uh, and I know he had weapons in San Francisco, don't get me wrong, and he had a really good defense, and that's going to be the key, right? That's why I say I feel like I'm very confident that the offense is going to be good. I think the offensive line is going to be a lot better than it was last year, especially early on. It took a while for them to get developed. It took a while for Josh McDaniels to discover what the identity of the team was. Now they know it. Uh, Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. He had 1,500 yards and uh, over 100 catches, (laughs) or 100 catches last season, right? And what, 14 touchdowns, whatever the case was. I mean, he had a, a great year one. I expect him to do the same thing. And I know that Derek Carr and Jimmy G are two different quarterbacks and their styles are two different. But Jimmy G gets the ball out of his hand quickly. He can get the ball to his playmakers and they can make the magic happen. And that's what Devontae Adams did in Green Bay for years. Aaron Rodgers wasn't just throwing bombs to him. Aaron Rodgers was getting the ball out of his hand. He was barely looking at him. All of a sudden, boom, balls out of his hand. Snap the ball, boom. Sidearm, quick throw to him. And Devontae go pick up 10, 12 yards. I mean, he would just feed him like that. And Devont- it was really Devontae and them, right? In-, in this offense, there's dudes. So that's what makes me feel like this offense is going to be just fine. But, of course, it always goes back on the health of, of one Jimmy G. And then the defense is going to have to complement the offense because, again, Jimmy G is not that guy. He's not Patrick Mahomes. I would never say that. He's not going to be that guy that's going to go out there and just put the team on his back and say, hey, no worries, I'll gunsling it to, uh, you know, to the Super Bowl. That's not going to happen. The team's got to be able to compliment him, so the defense is going to have to step up and play their role. But the offense, offense I feel pretty confident in. But I did throw the question out there to you, you know, because as far as I was concerned, I thought that we all were pretty much in agreement that the offense was going to be fine. But just like that text, clearly we are not. So what are your concerns when it comes to the Raiders' offense outside of Jimmy G's health, if you have any? You hit us up at 69187, keyword r r Of course, 
The listener line is 702-365-9200. Ty in Missouri, zero concern about the offense, Q. That's Ty's. Short, simple, to the point. He has zero zero, uh, concern about the offense. Sir Whiskey Ray, hit us up. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good topic today, and I'll start by saying I'm really worried about Josh Jacobs' contract situation. In the past, seems like the players that hold out on contract talks always get hurt during the season. Got to get J- Jacob signs. As to your free agent question, it's no secret that we can definitely use another productive body on the defensive side of the ball. Give me a linebacker or secondary help, please. I want a good defense in 2023. Thanks, Q. As always, that's Sir Whiskey Ray. And that was referencing the question I threw out there about if there's a veteran, like a, a free agent a move that the Raiders could make or even a trade that they can make, before training camp gets open in the first day of practice on the 26th, what would it be? I mentioned what Mo Moten said from Bleacher Report. He put out a piece earlier today about eight training camp moves, and he mentioned the Raiders making a trade for Patrick Queen, the linebacker from the Ravens. I thought that'd be fantastic. He wants a contract extension, so they'd have to work that out. If they decided that's what they wanted to do, do it immediately. Don't let that thing linger. Just hurry up and get it done and get it over with. That's what my suggestion would be. I just don't think it's smart when you trade for a player knowing that they need a contract extension. You let them play out the season, and then you're like, well, let's try to get him under contract before he decides he wants to become a free agent, and you you take a chance of losing him, or you have to put him on the franchise tag. And, well, we all know how franchise tags go. No player likes that. Uh, good stuff. Definitely appreciate you, Sir Whiskey Ray. Big Brother Bub says, Q, with all the concern regarding Jimmy G's health, my question is with all the Raider weapons on offense, would the Raider backup quarterbacks be able to carry the show? Inquiring minds want to know. That's Big Brother Bubs. And I'll say this. I mean, I look at Brian Hoyer as a guy that I think can play a couple games. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, hey, yeah, go play six games and you'll be fine. right? I think that Jimmy G has to be available for at least, and I say least, about 13 games. At least, right? And it's, it, it's, it's never good when you say that you hope that the starting quarterback of the team is available for 13 when the season's 17 games long. But I would say at least 13. All right, you put your headset on and you kind of made it look. So what are you saying? I, I mean, I, I agree that's probably the number, and I'm just agreeing like, wow, that's, that's rough. And you're also just saying available. You're not saying at like 100%. Right. It's very concerning. No, 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 you're, you're right. And, and so, again, 13 games is what I'm looking at. It probably is closer to 15, and hell, ideally it's 17. But, you know, it's just kind of what it is. Uh, Brian Hoyer, again, I think he could play for a couple games. Aiden O'Connell, best-case scenario is you don't see him at all this year. The only time you see Aiden O'Connell is preseason. That's a best-case scenario. If you see him early in the season or even sometime in the season, I think things went terribly wrong, and we're having a different conversation here. Right, and we will have those different conversations if that's what ends up happening. Uh, again, that's not what I want to. I don't want to put that into the universe. I don't want to wish that upon a star. <laughs> I don't want to do any of that because, again, it's a lot more fun to cover a winner than it is to come in here in mid-November and talk about the draft. Right, and I've done that before. I've done that. You know, I've spent years where it's like November and we're talking about the upcoming draft. Draft ain't till April. Who wants to do that? Right. I enjoyed the 2021 season where they went into to the playoffs. And all of a sudden you look around, the, the draft was here in Vegas, and you're like, whoa, wait, the draft is already here? Wow, that's cool. I'm good with that. You want to you be able to extend those conversations. There's some fan bases that are talking about the draft right now. I ain't going to lie. I did peek into a couple mock drafts just because I'm sick like that. But actually it was Dane Brugler from The Athletic, and he was working on you know, different position groups for the 2024 draft. So I feel like I was validated by that, and he was talking about some quarterbacks. And so I, I was, I, you know, I was intrigued. And I'll say – the list of quarterbacks that I was looking at, I wasn't intrigued by all of them. That's for sure. Now, I know somebody will step up this college football season and will all say, oh, man, that great, that's a great player. You got to look at him. But that list of names, everyone talking about this is the year for a quarterback, that list of names was 
it was all right. <laughs> it was all right. It wasn't all that. Trust and believe that. It wasn't all that. And I feel like that happens every year. Oh, if you need a quarterback, it's not this year. It's next year. You want to make sure you get a quarterback next year. That's the year to get one. I don't really feel like it's just that overwhelming where it's just that many great quarterbacks. Again, it's, it's, it's July. So I don't want to put too much stock into it. But thanks so much for that text. Definitely appreciate you. Got one more, and then we'll get into cover three NFL news and notes today. This is LJ. He said, what up, Q? Offensively, I'm concerned about our ability to go downfield. That has never been a trade of Jimmy G, part of Jacob's success last season by not having the box loaded up. That's a big piece of what I'm anxious to see. That's from LJ. Very, very valid point. Jimmy G is not a guy, and I'm never going to try to, you know, BS you and act like he is. He's not that guy that's going to just throw darts down the field. Right. And, and I mean, look, I, I was there in Florida. I was there in, 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 in what Hard Rock Stadium, the home of the Miami Dolphins for the Super Bowl for the 49ers against the against the Chiefs. I saw Emmanuel Sanders wide open. I saw Jimmy G load up and throw it to Emmanuel Sanders, who's very fast. And it went right over his head. Right. And it was coming right at me. And I was like, oh, he's going to get a. T- oh, no, he's not. <laughs> you know, it's just it just that's not his forte. But with that being said, the reason why the box isn't loaded up is because 17 is on the field. That's why the box isn't loaded. Not necessarily that they're going down the field. It's because you got to shade over and you got to help out with 17. So as long as you got 17 out there, you're going to do all right. Now, of course, the deep threat is something that you want to have, but it's not necessarily something that you have to have. And they do have some speed on the team, and I do believe the speed, regardless if they take a shot or not, is going to be able to run a lot of defenders off. They've got speed. Right? If, if Trey Tucker does nothing else this year for the Raiders, just run nines. Just go. Get out there like you're on a track field. Go, 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 go. Just run. Because you have to respect it. If you don't run with them, then you, then you hit them. It's that simple. And if you can't hit them, well, then you find someone who can. Right? But, I mean, if, if they run, if they're, if they're going deep, if they're sending someone deep with that speed, with that speed that could take the top off the defense, then you have to respect that. And so that's going to free up the box a little bit as well. But, yeah, I don't think that you're going to see as many big – down-the-field plays, as you saw a year ago. You know, and again, Devontae got a lot of big down-the-field plays last year, and that's not really what he's done throughout the course of his career. If you go back and look at what Green Bay, what he did at Green Bay, it wasn't a lot of that. It was a lot of fades in the end zone. It was a lot of quick hitters, and it was a lot of him working his magic afterwards. So, LJ, great text, man. Great text is good to hear from you, my man. I definitely appreciate you. So, with all that being said, and I've been talking a lot about 17, Devontae Adams, and he's going to come up in cover three. Let's go ahead and jump into cover three NFL news and notes of the day. It's time for Q's cover three NFL news and notes of the day here on Raider Nation Radio 920. First thing I want to talk about is Saints running back Alvin Kamara. He pleads no contest to a lesser misdemeanor charge from that February 2022 incident here in Las Vegas. So basically, uh, everyone thought it was going to be some big to do, and man, he wasn't going to be playing in 2023. And look, he might still get some kind of discipline by the NFL under the league's personal conduct policy, but it probably is not really going to be too much of anything. He has to complete his sentencing, his his punishment, I should say. He has to complete 30 hours of community service and pay $105,000, in restitution to the victim, Darnell Green, for past due medical expenses as a result of his no-contest plea. He also will be fined $500. Again, he remains subject to potential discipline by the NFL under the league's personal policy. But, I mean, his original, his original punishment could have been major. The charges that he had at first were classified as misdemeanor and a felony. Right? So, anytime you throw that felony word in there, you know it's a big deal, right? I ain't got to be an officer of the law. 
I ain't got to be in the court system to know that anything that has a felony involved in it is not good. So uh, he he pleads, you know, he pleads it down. Obviously, like we all pretty much knew he was going to. And uh, again, he has to complete 30 hours of community service, pay one that one hundred five thousand hundred ninety six thousand seventeen cents to Darnell Green for past due medical expenses. Pleads uh, no contest and also will be fined five hundred dollars. And he might. He might get a game or two suspension from the NFL, and if they they rule that a suspension, then they'll probably appeal it. And when they appeal it, he'll still be able to play, unless he accepts it. Maybe it's not really a big deal, but that's the latest and the greatest when it comes to Alvin Kamara and the incident that happened in February here in Las Vegas. That was right around the Pro Bowl. I mentioned earlier in the week for Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day is that there was a couple guys that were eligible for the 2023 NFL Supplemental Draft. It hasn't happened since 2019. There was two guys, uh, former Jackson State wide receiver Malachi Weidman and former Purdue wide receiver Milton Wright. Neither guy was picked. So Wright's going to turn 23 on September 8th. He was ruled academically ineligible for the 2022 season, caught 99 passes for 1,325 yards and 10 TDs in 29 career games, with three of those touchdowns coming in an eight-catch, 213-yard performance in 2021 against Northwestern. Weidman was a standout for the Tigers in 2021, caught 34 passes for 540 yards and 12 TDs, but he just played in six games in 2022 and only had three catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown. He began his college career at Tennessee in 2020 getting one pass for 25 yards and six appearances before he transferred to Jackson State. So those were the two guys that were eligible for uh, for the supplemental draft, and neither one of those guys were selected. So any team that had selected that, a player in the supplemental draft would have had to give up the corresponding pick in the 2024 NFL draft, and no team thought that that was worth it. So there's that. Uh, also, for Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day, Debo Samuel. Good old Debo Samuel. I actually just saw him. At Summer League, what day was it? Saturday, I went up to Summer League, and Debo Samuel was there at the Thomas & Mack. And, of course, there's a lot of people in town checking out all the action. Wembenyama was not playing on Saturday, but uh, Debo Samuel was there. And then he was on the radio with my friend, Zach Gelb, from uh, CBS Sports. And uh, Zach's a good dude. Zach's actually the guy that introduced me to Matt Rule. And when Matt Rule took over at Baylor, he kind of gave, was the liaison between us and 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 uh, Matt Rule to get us uh, a little bit of access, and that's how we kind of got to know him. And uh, so Zach's a really good dude. He's not one of those guys that tries to, you know, be that shock jock type dude, the guy that goes out and says a bunch of outlandish stuff or tries to piss everybody off. But Debo Samuel was not having it when Zach started peppering him with questions about the Eagles and what he said about Brock Purdy. If he had been, if Brock Purdy was healthy, they would have beat the Eagles in the championship game by double digits. He wasn't having it when Zach was asking him about that. Debo Samuel here with us. Well, something that is your call. I saw what you said about the Eagles back at the Super Bowl at Sirius, where if Brock Purdy didn't get hurt, you guys would have won that game by double digits. Why, why would that have been the case? I don't know that's old. So do you not still believe that? I mean, I do, but I mean, we, we're not, like, we not going to keep talking about it. I mean, I said what I said. Gotcha. So then what happens this year when you play Philly on December 3rd? I don't know. Just wait till what, week 13, 12, whatever week it is, and we'll show you. Well, then you know how that's going to go I down. You're, you're going into Philadelphia. Those fans are going to be booing you loud. you have a message for Eagles fans? Hey, guys. Yeah? All right, we're good to go. What do you mean? We have Debo on right now. Yeah, I know, but we're going to head into camp right now. Are, are you serious? Okay. Thank you. That's, there you Thanks, go. Bye. Debo Samuel right there. Doesn't want to answer a few questions. Are you serious? There he goes right there. Little uh, interaction back and forth, and he goes on for a while to talk about are you serious or what a complete joke. And the lady that jumped on, that's the PR lady, right? And and whatever whatever he was selling 
or whatever he was promoting, I should say. Uh, obviously, they got the plug in on that early. Uh, Debo didn't want to talk about the Eagles at all. Uh, Zach is a guy that is, you know, from the Philly area, so of course he's going to ask about the Eagles. And you know, he he pressed them a little bit, but I don't think Ari, you've been involved in plenty of interviews. You've been involved in interviews here, Cofield and Company, and and many others. I don't think that that Zach said anything that was too pressing. No, I don't either. I've never had that happen, by the way. Oh, you like, haven't? I've, oh, I've, 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 had, I've had guys get angry and, and not want to talk to us anymore. I've had them lose interest because of something like that where mm-hmm. they're they're clearly wanting to just get their way, you know, get yeah. off, but never like that where the PR just jumps it. Like, right. I, like, we're good. When I heard that back, I was like, is this is this like a parody? Th-? I know where it came from, so I know it's legit, but right. it almost sounded like, you know, it was like a, uh, an act almost. That's right. Like, well, he, was he just didn't want Awkward. it, didn't want anything to do with it. And look, I mean, I'll say this to his, his credit, he did say, hey, that's what I said. I I said what I said, and and it just kind of is what it is, and and left it alone. I mean, there's, he's not going to give you too much more after that. I mean, so, and sometimes, and I know people will say, "Oh, you guys don't ask tough questions." Sometimes I just read the room, right? And instead of keep on pushing and keep on pushing, not that I think Zach did anything wrong, but sometimes instead of keep pushing and pushing, it's like, well, hell, I'm going to go to something else and 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 talk about it so I can get something. I I will say one thing. Oftentimes in the past, I've had people say straight up, like, "Hey." We don't want to talk about this specific yeah, thing. And it's nothing, by the way, it's nothing like for the people listening. It's not like, oh, you're just changing a narrative. It's just something right. specific or maybe it's something that has kind of already taken place and we're right. moving on from that. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know if that was maybe something they wanted to throw in there ahead of time. Like, right. hey, just so you know, we don't. And we've had that. We've had that. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, you know, uh, I mean, we're right. not talking about this. We're not talking about that. Hell, I talked to Kim Mulkey, uh, who's now at oh. LSU, and I, I had her on the show Sometime last year, and this was when the whole Brittany Griner situation was going on, and you know she told me straight up, and, and like I said, I mean, I'm cool with Coach, but she was like, "Hey, just a heads up, I, I really don't want to talk about Brittany." I was like, oh, "That's cool." Yeah, I, you know, I know, I know the nature of the relationship, so I'm not tripping. Well, also, had she not said that, you like, you know, you're coming on, you know, I'm going to address that. Right. So you, so it's kind of a, yeah. I think it's both sides kind of need to to land on that. You can't just expect. You know, the reporter did not say something. Right. So Debo Debo was not having it. And, again, like I said, I don't think Zach, who's a very professional dude, I see him. I just saw him in Kansas City at the draft. As a matter of fact, we uh, uh, had a couple couple cold beverages there at uh, – what's what's the place I go to? Um, What's the place I go to in Town Square where it's got the big old tall beer? Where's Sylvia? Sylvia, we, we talked about that place all the time. Uh, what the I, don't, hell? I don't get out enough. No, oh, it's a yard house. Yeah, though. yeah. I, do get I, always, I don't know why I always forget My the name spot. of that place. I like that spot. So when I was in Kansas City for the draft, right, I'm in Kansas City. Everyone's talking about the barbecue, this, that, and the other. The Airbnb I stayed at literally was right down the street from that yard house. So I went there almost every night. So instead of getting all this great barbecue in Kansas <laughs> City and you, it's never going to get barbecue like this before, I was at Yard House having mm-hmm. you know spinach and artichoke dip and having a cold Modelo in the biggest, tallest glass I could find, whatever it is, is like half a yard. But that's the spot in Town Square I like to go to all the time. The wife's always like, well, why does this dude always want to go here? I'm very simple when it comes to certain places. I'm similar, by the way. I know what you mean, where you're just, I know it's good. I know yeah. it's going to be I, fine. I, can, I know what to expect. Yep. I know what I want. Exactly. And I'm just going to go get it. So, yeah, that's that's the last time I, I saw Zach. I see him at the Super Bowl every year. He's really professional. So, you know, I would never look at him and be like, oh, he was the problem. Damn you, Zach. You're always trying to stir some stuff up. He's, he's a good dude, but I thought that was interesting. And the final little nugget I have for Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day, I've been doing a lot of ESPN national radio because, well, uh, ESPN is kind of you know all over the place right now. We'll be doing another show this evening after the All-Star Game, myself and Andre Snellings, who's been a guest on this show many times. Matter of fact, the show's going to generate right here from this studio. <laughs> That's going to be the cool thing. But, uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of that. And, and on ESPN, we've been doing a lot of the top five 
you know, top five quarterbacks, top five offseason moves, top five, you know, players in the league, top five this. I mean, it's just been a lot of top five lists, top five coaches, whatever the case may be, right? It's just, it's July, late June. That's what you do. You know, that's what you do in sports radio. You put out a lot of lists, you put out a lot of rankings. Well, today it's about the top five players in the NFL. So Harry Douglas, who also has been a guest on this show many times, a former NFL wide receiver, he put out his top five earlier today. Number five was Trent Williams from the 49ers, the offensive lineman, big tie left tackle. Number four was Micah Parsons from the Cowboys. Number three was Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals quarterback. Number two was Aaron Donald from the Rams, big tie defensive tackle stud. And of course, number one is Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think a lot of people are going to argue with that. So, why I'm bringing this up is because he's a wide receiver. And what was not on his list? No wide receivers. So Amber Wilson, who was on the show yesterday, called him out and was like, wait, hold on, Harry. How the hell are you a wide receiver? And you didn't put not one wide receiver on the list. So he said his number, his wide receiver came in at number six. And it wasn't Tyreek Hill. It wasn't Justin Jefferson. It wasn't who Amber Wilson was thinking. Well, who was his number six? So my wide receiver, the first one that I had was number six on my list. And I know we're just going top five. So they were right outside of making that top five list. And the first wide receiver that I I would have had off the board would not have been Justin Jefferson. It would not have been Tyreek Hill. It would have been Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, just because, you know, he didn't make the playoffs last year with his team, he still put up. 1500 yards and a lot less catches than guys above him um on that on on the wide receiver list uh last year he also had 14 touchdowns he's a guy that is i think is the best route runner in the national football league um him and justin jefferson are right there neck and neck i would have justin jefferson right below him and then tyreek hill probably at uh third when it comes to those receiver rankings But Devontae Adams has been so consistent, I would say over the last five or six years. Consistent, consistent, consistency is is what I love from that position. I also like guys who are route runners, uh, guys who can take the top off the defense, can make the tough catches, quarterbacks can rely on. But I also think me picking people that rush the passer, people that protect the passer, and also people who throw the football, those other guys protect or try to go tackle the quarterback position – I actually think those positions are so valuable in the National Football League, not diminishing the wide receiver position, because I think after those three, I think next it is the wide receiver position. So that's why I have, you know, those type of players in my top five and a wide receiver at number six on my list. So there you go. Harry Douglas giving the tip of the cap to Devontae Adams. And I think that that carries a lot of weight when it's a former NFL wide receiver saying that this NFL wide receiver is the number one in the league. It's not me saying he's the number one in the league. It's not Ari saying he's number one in the league. It's not a fan wearing a 17 jersey. It's a guy that has studied the game and played it at the highest level, saying he's the best route runner. He can take the top off the the, the defense. He is very reliable. A quarterback can count on him, and that's what I'm counting on. When I'm looking at the Raiders and I'm looking at their offense, I'm counting on 17 to be the leader of the charge. I'm counting on, obviously, everyone else, Hunter Renfro to step up. I'm counting on Jacoby Myers to be in a great number two as opposed to having to be a number one like he was in New England. I think a lot of people are forgetting about Jacoby Myers at number two. This is a guy who's not a burner, but he's a guy who knows how to get open and make himself available for the quarterback. He's a true number two wide receiver. Who the hell was number two wide receiver last year? I'll wait. His name was Mac Hollins, a glorified super special team dude, and 
turned himself, and to his credit, turned himself into a reliable wide receiver. But he wasn't designed to be a number two wide receiver. The number two target was supposed to be Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro, and neither one of those guys were available for the majority of the season. So Matt Collins said, uh, what they say in, uh, in, in life, I'll be the pappy. Like Matt Collins said, I'll be that guy, <laughs> right, to his credit. I got to give him credit for that. He had an opportunity, stepped up. He did it. But that wasn't the role that was designed for him when he signed with the Silver and Black. It was supposed to be one of those other guys. So I wanted to end cover three with that. 424 is the time. We'll get back to your calls. We'll get back to your texts. And we're also going to hear from my guy. Uh, uh, what is my guy's name now? I forgot his name now. How did I forget his name already, Ari? Bond. Jack Bond. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Jeez. Man, Ari's I have never heard that joke before. Yeah, no, I know. That was a good one. Uh, Jack Bond from ParamountSports.com. It's because he's filling in for Lee Sterling. So I always, every morning when I say it, I always have to catch myself. I actually called him Lee the other day, and I was like, man, my bad, dog. It's too early in the morning, right? We do this at 6.30 every morning, so it's very early in the morning. So anyway, you'll hear what he has to say about the home run derby that's going to happen this evening as well. So we got a lot to get to in a little bit amount of time. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Everyone was asked their favorite superheroes. Yeah. You said Scooby-Doo. I didn't realize Scooby-Doo was a superhero. Can you kind of explain his superhero lore? I mean, well, first off, he's a dog, right? And he can talk. Fair enough. Okay. And, and he solves mysteries. So I think that a dog that can talk and helps people by solving mysteries, I think, is a superhero. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. That would be Nick Castellanos right there talking about his superhero. Nick is a Major League Baseball player. It is the All-Star break. The All-Star game is coming up this evening. The Home Run Derby was last night. I'm not a big fan of the bracket when it comes to the Home Run Derby. I'm like, I'm that old school cat, which I'm okay with. I say it all the time. I'm okay with that. I'm that guy who's like, hey, give me 10 outs, and let me see what I can do. That's how the Home Run Derby used to be. Now it's, you know, bracket where you got to go against someone and compete. And the problem with the Home Run Derby, which nobody's going to ever be able to solve, there's always something that happens in it that's great or a round that a player has that's fantastic. And then by the time they get to the championship round, they're either wore out or the next round they're wore out and they can't, they can't duplicate that. right? Like Rodriguez, who plays in Seattle, had 40 home runs in one round. And then all of a sudden he had nothing left. right? You had a player up there that was switch hitting. You never have a switch hitter in the, in the, <laughs> the home run derby. It was great. It was fantastic. But he didn't have enough to keep it going. Vlad Guerrero ends up winning, and the funny thing about it, he wins because he was just consistent. He consistently just won his round. He didn't do anything massive. He didn't put on some kind of show. I do think it's kind of cool that him and his dad are the only two that ever win the home run derby. Like, that's, that's awesome, right? They're the only father-son duo to ever win it, so I thought that that was cool. Interested in see the All-Star game. But the home run derby for me is it's probably my favorite All-Star showcase. The slam dunk con- competition has lost its, its luster a long time ago. The three-point competition is still good. The NBA All-Star game is, I think, it's pretty decent, but it's, it's kind of the last few years it's kind of got a little watered down with it basically being a three-point competition or shoot from half court or bust, right? I mean, it's just kind of like that. Uh, the, the Major League Baseball All-Star game is, is, is good. It's an All-Star game. It's, it's just another baseball game. Uh, so, and I'm a baseball fan, but I, I, just, I do like the home run derby, just seeing these guys put uh, everything on the line. The only problem is, is if my team has a dude that can compete, I don't want him in it. I don't because I feel like the guys always get injured after they compete in the home run derby. And I remember when uh, um, uh, Cespedes was playing for the A's and he competed in it and he won it. And what happened? Got injured. And I was like, no! So uh, any time, now I don't have to worry about it. (laughs) I don't have to worry about it. 
Because, hell, the A's won't have anybody as good as Cespedes. If they do, they'll trade him. Oh, you're going to compete in the home run derby? You're good? Oh, no. Who wants them? Oh, you want them? Oh, you're going to send us back a cup of coffee? Oh, and a donut with sprinkles. Yeah, we'll take them. Got it. No problem. That's how their mentality is. That's why I'm not excited for them to come to Las Vegas. I do not want to see that at all. Got some. We'll get some more uh, feedback. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187 keyword R&R. Got a lot of texts that I want to get to before the show gets wrapped up, but we got a call and I want to make sure we go right to them. Uh, who we got, Ari? Uh, Raider C's from the OC. That's what I'm talking about. Raider C's. Welcome to the show. Hey, Q. Um, I was just thinking about your what we were talking about last week um, about PFF saying that the Raiders are ranked 31 for you know the cap space and, that, and yeah. I believe we were also talking about you know, kind of what we want to see from the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, when it comes to the PFF stuff, I know last year, you know, is when um, Ziggler got the team and McDaniels, and it's like that stuff is why Mark Davis is going to give them that leeway to, you know, try to figure that out, and hopefully, you know, that doesn't remain that way. But at least for the defense, I would like to see the Raiders be at least like in the teens, 19, 18, in terms of, you know, defense, because – I've been a fan since, like, my entire life, but, like, really started focusing when I was 17, and it's just, like, I would love to finally see us be, like, mid-tier defense and at least to see how much of a difference that really makes at the end of the day for the Raiders. Hey, great call, man. It's good to hear from you. And, yeah, I think that that's the, the ultimate goal, right? I think it's to be – because you don't have to be lights-out defense. You really don't. But you have to be good enough to make plays when plays are needed. That's the thing about it. When you know that you need a defensive stop, look, at, at the end of the day, I mean, we all say defense wins championships. Ultimately, you've got to score points, <laughs> right? If you're not scoring points, you ain't going to win too many games. There's not going to be too many championships that are going to look like what the Baltimore Ravens did back in the day. There's not going to be too many championships that look like what the Chicago Bears did back in the day. You know why? Because the game has changed so much with the offensive rules. Everything is wide open. I, I joke around saying wide open like some old school TV antennas. It's literally wide open like some old school TV antennas. We talk about Big 12 football. That'll never work in the NFL. Guess what? It's damn near Big 12 football in the NFL. Everything is wide open. Everything is spread out. Everything is go quick. Everything is throw, 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 throw. Oh, you can't touch that guy. It's a PI. So they design it so you have to – Score points to win. As good as the Eagles' defense was, what happened? What happened in the Super Bowl? They gave it 30-something points. Now, granted, seven of those points came courtesy of a fumble that was returned for a touchdown, but still, that defense gave up plenty of points, and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs won. The Chiefs' defense made enough plays when they had to, including the strip sack or the, the, the sack that led to the fumble and led to the touchdown. That's what you have to do. You don't have to be top 10 you don't have to go and have a hell of a season and get 70 sacks. Now, that'd be nice, but you don't have to. That's why when I threw out the goals, it's like 40 and 20. Give me 40 and 20 and let that just be the number. I'm not saying that that's what it, they have to get. Just throw a number out there like that. If, you, if you're aiming for something like that and you aim high and you fall a little short, that's okay. And, and, and what I mean by I had someone push back on me and say that, you know, they shouldn't have there's no number or, or it doesn't matter or whatever. It does. Having goals matters, regardless of who you are or what, what your profession is. Having goals matters. Max Crosby, we just talked to Ted Wynn about his piece in The Athletic about Max Crosby breaking down film. What did Ted say? What did it say right there in that piece that Max said, you know, back in, in, in what, 2021, that his, his goal was 100 pressures and 100 million, and he ended up getting, what, 100, 
101 pressures and, what, $94 million on his contract? He had goals. Obviously, his main goal is to try to win and get the Raiders into the playoffs and do what he's got to do. But ultimately, he had a goal for himself. This year, guess what he's going to do? He's going to have a goal for himself. Ari's got goals for himself. I have goals for myself, but I still want us to win as a team. But I do have individual goals as well. If I didn't, I wouldn't be worth the salt. And that's all of us. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there should be a number. And the 26 is coming up quick, fast, and in a hurry. I will ask. I'm not going to ask Josh McDaniels, hey, can you give me the number of sacks and interceptions you think the team should have? I'm not going to ask that because he's not going to give me a number. But I will ask in a respectful way, hey, is there, a, is there a goals list? Is there something that you guys have maybe on the board in the, in the meeting room? Is there, is there something that you got? You, do you have a, something that you're focusing on that you want the team to kind of focus in on as something to chase? Maybe even something that, that they throw an incentive out there for? Why not? Hell, look what the NBA's doing. They're doing an in-season tournament, <laughs> right? And what are they doing? They're offering the winning team 500, 500 stacks. If you win, everyone's going to get 500 stacks. Okay. There you go. Goals, incentives. They're there. That's why they're in contracts, incentives, <laughs> right? If a guy plays in a, in a certain amount of games, he might hit an incentive. If a guy has a certain amount of sacks, he'll hit an incentive. If he has a certain amount of interceptions, he'll hit an incentive. And if he doesn't hit those goals, then maybe he doesn't. I'll always go back to Namdi. Remember Namdi had in his contract, he had to have, he had to have what? Uh, more interception totals than he did the year before, and he didn't have any? When he didn't have any, he became an uh, unrestricted free agent. He ended up making his move to the Eagles, and his career was never the same. It's just that simple. Looking at the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r r Rob in Oakland hit us up and said, I'm concerned about whether Josh McDaniels can inspire and organize the offense to execute over the entire season. He hasn't proven himself as a head coach, and although I don't necessarily expect an improved record, I expect improved execution in short yardage and red zone situations as well as intelligent and effective coaching adjustments. That being said, my biggest concern remains the quarterback. Jimmy isn't very accurate, especially outside the numbers, and sometimes throws curious interceptions. I find him awkward when in the grasp of defenders, and to me, that's part of how he gets his foot crushed by Jalen Phillips. I've definitely got concerns. That's Robin Oakland. And you know the funny thing about, about him saying that he throws uh, awkward interceptions <laughs> or curious interceptions? It's so funny. I don't remember. We've talked to multiple people that cover the 49ers while, uh, you know, once Jimmy signed with the Raiders. As a matter of fact, Bonte Hill from 95.7 The Game was one of them. And he said he'll always have a play in the game where it's like, why, Jimmy? <laughs> why? He'll always have that why, Jimmy moment. And that's something that is, is a fact. It's a fact. He, he has it. Right? And so I don't know how he fixes that. I don't know how he improves on that. Uh, again, I think that with his, his ability to get the ball out of his hands really quickly – and knowing where the ball needs to go and having guys available. And I do think that, again, Jacoby Myers is going to be a guy that is going to help make this transition a lot easier for him, and he's going to make himself available and open all the time. We'll see what Hunter Renfro does. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think those kind of guys are going to help out with the production that this offense is supposed to have. And I think that might be the last text I got. Yep, that's the last text. So uh, if you want to continue to give us some feedback, you can. Again, 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187, keyword R&R. Again, the questions that we threw out there to you. Uh, are you concerned about the Raiders' offense outside of Jimmy G's health? If you are, let us know about it. If you're not, let us know about it. And if there's a move that could be made, a veteran signing, we've heard about Marcus Peters, but – if there's another move out there that you think that the Raiders should make before training camp, before that first day of practice, which is July 26th, 
what should it be, whether it's a signing of a free agent or maybe even a trade, like Mo Moten suggested in his piece in the Bleacher Report about uh, Patrick Queen from the Ravens being a guy to help bolster that linebacking room. I would love that. I really think that that's the one area of the Raiders' defense that gives me the biggest concern still is the linebacking core. So if they were to make a move for Patrick Queen, uh, I'd be interested to see what they would have to give up to go get him, and then what would a contract extension look like for Patrick Queen. But he had a good season last year. I think the best season he's had so far as an NFL player. And I would assume, and I know assuming is a, is a tough pill to swallow, but I would assume that he's going to continue to grow on that. He's more comfortable now as a linebacker in the league. At some point, I'd love the Raiders to go out and draft a guy, go out and get their own guy, go get their Roquan Smith, their sideline to sideline stud linebacker. I'd love to see them address that during the draft, but it's been a long time since that's happened. And, you know, you hear the it's, – it's not quite as bad as the running back position, but you hear the, well, you don't have to drive a, get a, a linebacker in round one. It, that position has been – devalued just like the running back position has been devalued. Like I said, it's not quite as bad as uh, as the running backs, but it's on that way. So, uh, again, let us know what your thoughts are. 702-365-9200 and 69187, keyword R&R. Let's go ahead and get caller number nine right now. We got one more time. All right, yeah, we got one more time. Let's do it. Uh, Caller number nine, we're going to get you in to win the Aviator tickets. And more importantly, what that's going to do is going to get you in to win, in to win the trip which is a five-day houseboat rental on Lake Powell plus a $1,000 gift card for gas and food. It's the Lotus Summer of Fun. It's called Take the Trip or Take the Cash, and if you want to take the cash, you can. Our guy Wendell took the cash instead of taking the New York City trip. $3,000 cash, not too bad at all. $3,000 in your pocket, it's a good thing. So, again, we're going to get you right now one step closer to that. We're going to get you qualified for four tickets to an Aviators game. That's going to get you qualified once you win that for the big Lotus Summer of Fun trip. So uh, let us know right now, 702-365-9200. Call number nine is what we're looking for. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Shout out to my man Carlos. He got hooked up. He's uh, in to win the four tickets to the Aviators game. So he's registered for the four tickets to the Aviators game. If he wins that, then he's in to win the big-time Lotus Summer of Fun trip, which is so important. Five-day houseboat rental, Lake Powell, $1,000 gift card for gas and food, or you could take the $3,000 cash. And the good thing, Carlos, is, again, this show produces winners. And I'm going to keep saying that until I'm proven wrong. And so far, out of two weeks, Two weeks company-wide, not not radio station-wide, not this building-wide, company-wide. We've already got a winner generated from not only this station, Radio Nation Radio 920, but this show. And I wear that as a, as a, as a badge of honor because you could have won in Seattle. You could have won in Fresno. You could have won in Boise, Idaho. You could have won anywhere here in Las Vegas. You could have won in multiple different locations. But instead, you won here. On this show, on Redness Radio 920. So I say that because we produce winners. It's just what we do. One out of two weeks. So we got to keep the party rolling. So no pressure, guys, that have been getting registered on this show. No pressure. <laughs> just come up and just win. Just win, baby. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you I'm have to do. I'm pressure right now. There's no pressure, man. Again, this is what we do. We create winners. Speaking of winners, the All-Star Game is going to take place this evening. AL versus NL. We had, a, we had a play on the, the home run derby yesterday. My man Jack Bond filling in for Lee Sterling from Locked On Bets. He, uh, in ParamountSports.com, he gave us a play on Mookie Betts plus 1,800. Well, Mookie didn't get out the first round. But, again, it was a bet a little win a lot, right? And that's why it's plus 1,800. It's a long shot, but 
still thought we had a good reason, thought we had a good play with Mookie. He didn't make it out of the first round. Well, now we're talking about the All-Star game, and we're actually going to do a run total. Under seven runs is plus 100. And, you know, you're looking at it's an All-Star game. You're, you're going to get under seven runs? Well, Jack Bond's going to tell you why. Well, when I first saw this line, I leaned towards the American League tonight, given their nine-game winning streak in the Mid-Year Classic. But when you're facing an all-star team in the National League and you don't have Jordan Alvarez, Mike Trout, or even Aaron Judge, you have to hold off and look elsewhere. And that's what I did here. So instead, I want to hone in on these pitching staffs. Zach Gallen goes for the National League. Garrett Cole starts for the American League. Now, these guys are both great. They're, they're the respective Cy Young leaders in terms of betting odds in each league. But you have to only expect two to three innings max per guy. So regardless of their inning numbers, the under has cashed in 13 of the last 16 All-Star games with an average of just 6.7 runs per game. Now, when you look at the bullpens and the other starting pitchers behind them, especially once you get to the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth innings, these bullpen guys, these relievers are the ones, the guys out there in Major League Baseball who are starting to hit 102, 103 miles an hour with some solid movement. These are these aren't guys who are just going out there and lobbing curveballs and, and 80 mile an hour changeups anymore. What makes the under even more enticing here is this ballpark. Of all Major League Baseball stadiums, T-Mobile Park in Seattle has the most pitcher-friendly park factor in terms of run scored and on-base percentage. So that's not just that there's low-scoring games in Seattle. It's also that the dimensions of the park, the wind, and, and the, the foul territory and all that really lean towards an under in, in all Mariners games, including the All-Star game here. Now, on top of that, you know, look at the weather. Temperatures are going to be in the low 60s with minimal wind. That's perfect for a pitcher in this game, especially when you're up against the Bay in Seattle and that wind can, can gust in more than it does out quite often. With two of the last All-Star, uh, four All-Star game MVPs in, in Trout and Judge out for this one, I'm taking the pitchers in this matchup. Give me the under seven runs in this year's All-Star game. Level one lock. Boom, there it is, a level three lock. It doesn't get any higher than a level three lock. So that's when I yell, all the way up, like DJ Khaled would say. So there you go. He gave it a level one lock right there, under the seven runs. He gave you the reason why, the explanation. So, again, under seven runs is plus 100 if you're trying to get a little bit of dinero, win a little money, a little moolah, put a little extra change, a little fettuccine, a little whatever you want to call it in your pocket. That's there courtesy of Jack Bond from ParamountSports.com. Of course, the show that I do each and every morning, Locked on Bets. We'll see how that shakes up. Of course, it's coming up in a matter of about nine minutes. Uh, first pitch, so you can get your last second uh, little play-in if that's what you choose to do. Before we get up out of here, and it's been a fun show, we had a lot of really good guests on the show, including Ed Graney, John McClain, and Rob Ford. Rob Ford was a lot of fun, man. The director of the Goliath, the story about Wilt Chamberlain, of course, it debuts on Friday, uh, Paramount Plus for uh, Showtime, uh, all that good stuff, and, and we're going to see the screening on Thursday. I'm excited about that. Cannot wait to talk to Rachel Nichols about it, and also come back on Friday and give you my review of it myself. And what I think about it, hell, I might even drag little Q in here to give his thoughts on it, see if he learned a little something-something when it comes to uh, Wilt Chamberlain and the history of the NBA. But that's for another day. Before we get to any of that and before we wrap up today's show, Ari likes to hit us each and every day with the National Days of the Year. I believe there's way too many of them. Some are good, some are bad. But, Ari, the stage is yours, homeboy. That is a fact that there are way too many, so I just grabbed two for today. Today is an interesting one. I'm going to try to do this without giving too much, too much pub here. But uh, do you like Slurpees, I will ask. I like Slurpees back in the day, and it's funny we're talking about baseball. I loved Slurpees back in the day when you can get that cup, 
and you can go on the bottom and you can get the little reflector. It's like a little reflector coin or whatever like that. It was. You, did you ever remember seeing that? Where it's like the player's face, and then maybe that's how old I am. I, I don't think this is an age thing. I think it's just I, I just, you just somehow didn't, didn't. You didn't. My dad used to take me. When we lived in Sheltered. Pittsburgh, California, he used to take me to Los Padanos College every single Saturday morning, and I played basketball. He took me out there, and we went through drills, this, that, and the other, and he spent a lot of time out there. And my reward for actually doing what he told me to do was we'd stop at the store to get Slurpees, and we'd get it on the way home, and that'd be my thing. But I really liked it when they had the reflector on the bottom, and I can get that, and I always wanted to get my Ricky Henderson reflector, and a lot of times I did. But a lot of times I didn't. Sometimes I got some bums on the bottom. But anyway, it was what it was. So, yeah, I like Slurpees back in the day and not so much these days. Even if I get, like, a margarita, I don't get it frozen. I get it on the racks. <laughs> what if I told you you could get a free Slurpee today? Well, you know my Does motto. Does that change hey, anything? You know my motto. If it ain't if free, it ain't, it ain't, free, it ain't, me. It ain't me. But yeah. I'll say this. <laughs> You ain't getting that Slurpee in the Escalade. Oh. <laughs> you ain't taking that Slurpee in the Escalade, homeboy. Or in the studio, by the way, if, no, if any of my no. coworkers are yeah, listening Yeah, exactly. Right now. There ain't supposed to be no food or drinks <laughs> in snitching. the studio. No, that's real, man. I found on the table here something sticky. All right? Maybe and I, I put my drink out there outside of the studio where it's supposed to be. There's not supposed to be any food or drinks inside of any studios. That's Radio 101. But yet we find crumbs on the floor and we find stickiness on the board. Yep. So, Unacceptable. Well, we did that today, just just so you know. And I could, cleaned it up as to, to introduce the Slurpee. That that's why Q. So there you go. Okay. Shout out Thank to you. Uh, whatever random host did that. We'll move on from that. Yes, today is that day. It's seven eleven. Play on the play on the day. Oh, August. And, oh, and honestly, July eleventh. Yeah. Get it. Okay. This isn't. This is kind of cool. And I think back in the day, now they've kind of like made it smaller. But back in the day, you could bring like any container and just fill it up. And so people would bring like the big five gallon water jugs, like yeah. the water cooler. And fill that. I don't know how you're consuming that, but hey. So yeah, go to your local bleep bleep and get you a free Slurpee. You can shout out Seven Eleven. Hey, yeah, Seven Eleven. We know they're they're everywhere. Right. And uh, of course, you cannot do that without Q. Your favorite thing. Hashtag National Seven Eleven Day. Make sure you take an annoying picture and show everyone. Oh man, I ain't taking no picture nasty. of no free Slurpee. <laughs> she got it all over your hands and yeah. yeah no, that's, but it ain't getting. You ain't getting it in the car. Yeah, there ain't no getting it in the car. Now there's like yeah, I don't blame you on that. It's crazy. Now, there are like six million other ones, but I'll just go to the other reasonable one, which is National Blueberry Muffin Day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I can get down with the blueberry muffin. Definitely one of the better muffins, I think. It's kind of more of a breakfasty thing, if you ask me, but it's a solid snack. Yeah. Like, I don't feel so guilty eating one. No, I'm not really a donut guy. I'm not really a sweets dude. Every once in a while, Robin, who's fantastic, will have, like, donuts in her office or something like that. to her. But uh, blueberry blueberry muffins are cool. You warm them up a little bit, not too hot. They're kind of soft and everything. Yeah, I'm good with that. I can get down with that. There you go. And (laughs) you were supposed to bake some blueberry muffins. I don't know why they have such high expectations. I ain't baking nothing. That's how you celebrate. I'm just going to eat one. How about that? There you go. I like it. Yeah. Thank you, Ari, for that. National Days of the Day. That's how we close out the show each and every day here on the Raiders. Wait, what are we at? What are we doing? It's called Unnecessary Roughness. I know. I'm trying to see see what you're doing with your hand signals. You got me confused. That would be a 10 and now a (laughs) 5. Okay. So basically, shut up and end the show, Q. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920.